Is there anyone out there who still isn't clear about what doing drugs does? Okay, last time, this is your brain. He points to an egg. This is drugs. He indicates a frying pan. He cooks the egg. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? Dad does... Dad does... Drugs... Drugs... Dad does drugs. Hello, welcome to episode 6 of Dad Does Drugs. My name is Bob Diggles. Yes, it is really. In this podcast series, I am looking at the narcotic landscape in 2019 so I can help my kids navigate it safely. I've taken legal and illegal drugs before and I think being honest and open about the risks, the potential harms and the techniques for using more safely and of course the good bits, the benefits, the highs of drugs is the only way to arm my children with a safety net of knowledge to save them and their friends from danger. Just say no is not enough. Dance. So this week we're going to talk about festivals. They are everywhere, every weekend, all night long, all summer long. And uh, in the absence of nightclubs now in most of our cities, they are the only place to go to go a bit wild, to enjoy loud music and a taste of proper party culture. I find now that the atmosphere I remember from the dance floors of God's Kitchen and Sunday Central in Birmingham, Gatecrasher in Sheffield, Passion in Colville, Turnmills, The Cross and Home in London is only really replicated in the dance arena at a festival. It's uh, joyous, hedonistic, it's chaotic, it's edgy, and if the weather's good, then it's sexy and dressed skimpily as well. Maybe that's just me. Anyway, you don't have to be there long in front of those towering, deafening speakers in the rave tent before someone in a baseball cap comes and leans over in your ear to offer you laughing gas or pills from his discreetly held rucksack. For many people, festivals are places to take drugs at. Most punters who go to festivals pay a fortune to drink festival booze and spend possibly an even bigger fortune becoming a social smoker again for the weekend. Some events are more druggy than others. The electronic music acts and big DJs may attract ecstasy takers. Guitar bands are good for the cannabis lovers. The alternative tents lend themselves to psychedelics, perhaps. Practical tip, by the way, powder cocaine isn't a good festival option. If you do get it up your nose, it's only a short high, there's a very high chance before that it'll never even make it to your nostril. It'll either end up as a soggy mush in your pocket or get spilt all the way down your sparkling hot pants as you try to snort it in a portaloo. For my part, I have been to festivals and I have taken drugs there. I loved Homelands back in the day and All Points East and Bestival more recently. I've also been to them sober, working as a member of the media. And I've been along and just had a beer, just relaxed in a very gentle way. I went to the Isle of Wight Festival a couple of years ago and saw Faithless and I was really excited about it. I was working in the afternoon, I was working the following day, so I had a couple of pints, saw some friends, went to dance and I felt the tingles and the high from those synth chords 
from Insomnia and God is a DJ, just brilliant. And I was euphoric and in a state of ecstasy without taking any. I looked around and I could see that other people were taking it. Then with the Isle of Wight Festival, it doesn't go on very late. The main stage ends certainly by midnight, if not before. And then I felt very glad that I definitely hadn't taken any as I slept in the back of a car and got up early to do some reports on the radio. Uh, Those people that had taken stuff, I thought, wow, it's going to be a long night back in the campsite with uh, no dance tent to go to. This is my church. As we heard last week, drug-taking at festivals can, in some, thankfully very rare cases, end in tragedy. I think most people will go and have a good time and drugs might enhance the good times with friends and the good music. Some will have a bad time. They might end up ill or lost or paranoid, sketched out and scared in the dark with music and people all around them and no phone signal to call mum and dad. So... Let's talk about festivals now, before the season starts, to keep our children safer. My guest this week is Anna Wade, who's one of the organising team of Boomtown Festival in Hampshire. After that, I'll have a chat with my son about drugs and festivals, and maybe the pink plastic trousers I inexplicably chose to wear to the Gatecrasher summer sound system in the year 2000. Or maybe we won't. First, here's me with a radio introduction to Boomtown. We have done lots of festivals on the Wall of Sound, but we've never done Boomtown. So I've come to the home, Boomtown HQ, which uh, pleasingly is a kind of post-industrial urban mishmash of pipework that's all exposed and lots of luminous colours and steel bits here and there and some people looking like they probably are street artists in their spare time. Uh, And I'm with Anna Wade, who's one of the organising team of Boomtown. Hello. Hello there. Thank you for having me here. So that's a bit of a cringy taste of my super keen grandson that you'd love to have George Ezra radio style. Uh, Boomtown Festival, Boomtown Fair as it's known, takes place in August each year near me in Winchester. This is the 2019 lineup. Music-wise, it's a huge smorgasbord, I would say, of different music. So um, this year we have just announced that we have uh, Lauren Hill as one of our headliners. Fantastic. Ready or not, here I come. Prophets of Rage, which is a rock supergroup, which is a mix-up of people from Cypress Hill, Rage Against the Machine, and we also have The Streets as well as like, one of our top headliners also. We have a huge representation of different types of music from reggae, rock, punk, metal, ska, through to electronic side of Carl Cox, Beans on Toast, Groove Armada, Kenny Dope, uh, Napalm Death, Ms. Dynamite, Seth Lakeman, Slaves, UB40, the one with Ali Campbell in, not the one with his brother that he fell out with. So there's a lot going on. The team are based in Bristol, I think, like I might have said, uh, which is where I went to meet Anna Wade. And uh, it's grown over the last decade, despite some logistical nightmares and some tragedies. News headlines now with Shireen Jordan. A large fire involving a number of cars has broken out in the West Car Park at the Boomtown Fair Festival near Winchester. A year old woman has died at the Boomtown Musical Festival. The teenager from Buckinghamshire was found in Festival goers say they've had to queue for up to 10 hours to get into Winchester's Boomtown Fair. We've spoken to people who've complained of sunstroke, dehydration. On BBC Radio Solent, I'm sure you're well aware, we've talked about 
queues of traffic getting into the site at Boomtown. Mm-hmm. We've talked about fires in the car park. We've talked about fatalities due to um, drug-related issues. How do you find it as a team riding out all of that and um, kind of... I mean, I, I guess it's testament to how good the festivals be and how loyal your um, festival goers are that you are still uh, selling out like last year um, where other festivals have struggled. Yeah, I mean, we, we're incredibly lucky to have the um, the support of the people that attend the festival. Um, you know, without them, where, where would we be? I think uh, from the team's point of view, with the challenges as we faced over the years... It, it's it's never easy, but putting on any event is never easy anyway, let alone when you're faced with the kind of challenges that we have been over the years. I think the, the only thing we all really want to achieve from it is to learn from it and to make sure that we put everything in place to keep everyone as safe as possible, to run the safest, most streamline event that we possibly can and we are quite a young team and we have been learning every single year like at every single corner yeah there's been challenges like really big high profile challenges but the thing that we want to achieve from that is to learn from them and to better ourselves and to better the experience on the ground from everybody and primarily to keep everybody as safe as we possibly can so i think you've got enough background from my five minute bit that went out on the radio but after the deaths in 2011 deborah jeffrey who was 45 from winchester had a heart attack after taking ecstasy in 2013 eleanor rowe was 18 from glastonbury she died after taking ketamine To hear Ellie's story from her mum, Wendy, listen to last week's podcast, episode five. In 2014, Lisa Williamson uh, was found dead after using drugs. And in 2016, Olivia Christopher, uh, 18 again, was uh, discovered dead in her tent after a suspected drug overdose. Pretty hard going, uh, as Anna talks about in a minute, for the team. Uh, But A, the festival hasn't folded. B, it's grown and in fact it sold out in 2018 and C it has a very progressive drug policy uh, on-site drug testing from the loop I tested drugs I bought on the dark web with the loop in episode two so they've been on site for the last two years of the festival 2017 and 2018 both times no serious incidents on site so I would have thought that is connected and uh, as I talk to Anna about, you'll hear, uh, they, they really take drugs seriously, but not in a just a knee-jerk uh, prohi- prohibition, uh, we've got to stamp it out type way. Clearly they don't endorse drug taking, but they accept that it happens, and they've managed to tread a clev- clever or careful fine line with the police, with the local authority who licensed them, and with their punters for managing to have a balance of keeping it a fun festival to go to, but also... Um, making it a safe festival uh, for people to go to and a festival that uh, other counties in rural southern England want to have uh, in their back garden. So uh, I think it's interesting. Hope you enjoy. So I've been been chatting to Wendy Teasdale, who uh, you know well, uh, just earlier today, um, because um, Boomtown Festival has had some fatalities due to uh, drugs. Um, How, as a, I mean, I'm amazed because one of the reasons I wanted to do this 
uh, podcast was um, uh, when um, uh, Luella Michi died at Bestival in 2017, uh, I, I felt like the blame was on Bestival. When uh, Georgia Jones and Tommy Cowan died at Mutiny just last year, uh, again, I felt the festival was having to defend them, themselves. Uh, you have survived as a festival and kept going, but it must have been a kind of traumatic and heart heartbreaking sort of experience to go through. So how have you, how have you managed to do it, really? Uh, what, continue? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and, and deal uh, with it. Yeah. It's um, a really good question. It, it's, it's a really tough one. I think it's because it's, it's such a societal stigma, I mm. guess, about drug use um, because it is illegal. Um, and it is it is pushed into the underground, and I think that it's a re- it's a really tricky question. I think what what we've what we've tried to do is be as open as we can be. So over the years, we've launched a couple of different quite high profile campaigns to try, try and raise awareness and educate people as best as we possibly could. So I think the way that we've got through it is by challenging it and challenging the outward perception of what other people that may not come into contact with drug users or people that like to experiment with drugs in in their everyday life so see it as this demonized evil thing that can quite often be the narrative around drug users so i think what we've what we tried to do is through the work that we did with wendy in 2014 which was the pretty high profile ketamine awareness campaign just because she obviously wanted people to be aware of the dangers that it could be because it really wasn't understood that mixing as lower doses Ellie did with mm. a, a really low dose of ketamine and then I think it was three cans of Carling, which is or Carlsberg, which isn't really no. you know, a very strong um, lager anyway. Um, so we really wanted to push that messaging out and we did that with Wendy and Wendy's help for 2014, 15 and 16. Um, and then through being able to have the loop on board has really helped us open up our messaging and the conversations a lot better around it. Yeah, so I've been to see the loop and see what mm. they do. And uh, was it a brave decision to invite them on site? You, you, you know, because the media likes to say, well, you're endorsing drug use then. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, um, and like I say, the, the media story, the narrative always seems to be, you know, the security at this festival wasn't tight enough because mm. drugs obviously got in and, yeah. and that was the problem. Uh, so, uh, and some festivals won't have the, won't have the loop there. So um, how, how did you come to that decision? Um, well, it was after the back of the 2016 event where um, Olivia uh, Christopher, um, she, where she uh, died through a, quite a concoction of poly drug use. Um, and then that mixed with um, benzos as well. So it was the mixing of the highs and the lows. And, and it just got to the point where it's just like, there's this, because the loop had already been at two other festivals in 2016. And it just felt that there was this safety net that existed that not only is it about people physically understanding what it is they're taking, but it was the 15 minute consultation, one to one counseling session of this is what this can do to you that they that the loop also provide. And then the the messaging that we could then get out as a event and as a a platform that young people listen to, it just really felt that that would be so important to be able to get those conversations moving on a bit rather than people feeling that the a festival has a zero tolerance approach to drugs, so therefore they have to they can't talk to any of the officials or anything like that. 
to have this kind of more 360 approach, which is prevent it from getting inside of the festival by working with all of our security, all of the, the police and um, the other local authorities, which is very much still in play, even more so than, than, than you know, a few years ago, I'd say. But it's once people are inside, it's safeguarding them, educating them and, making, and providing them with the welfare that they really need when they're kind of thinking about dabbling around with things that they have no idea that they're putting in their bodies. So, yeah. yeah. Has there, or is there a lot of negotiation with the police, with the council or whoever you've rented the land off and things <laughs> like that? You know, is it, or is it, it is there kickback? Um, do people object to it or did they... There, there is, because it. it's it's still in its infancy in, yeah. in the UK at the moment, um, this, this service. So um, to be able to have it at the event, you do have to have um, permission from the local authorities, including the council and the local police. So you have to work, I mean, but you have to work with them. We work so closely with them anyway, just yeah. to put the event on. So we're not working separate from them on anything, that we, any of our decisions, really. We, we all work very closely together. So... It, there was a process and there was conversations around that, but I think in, in, in our circumstance, we were lucky enough to have the support of the local authorities to be able to help implement it at the event. And, um, and you've you sold out in 2018, so after you've made the, those, the, um, you'd invited the loop on board and that sort of thing. So um, what was the sort of feedback from your punters and from the loop when they were there? You know, did, did it go well? And yeah, I think, I think uh, so we had it 2017 and 2018 is the two years we've had, had them on site. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, a success, definitely. I think that the, the, the loop saw in the first year, I think it was like 1,100 people, 1,200. And then last year it was, a, they estimated around about 2,000 people actually felt the direct benefits of their of the service they were providing, which then when you think about the education that those people are receiving on the ground and the the, the factual information that the loop of providing people with, and then for them to go and pass that information onto their friends and then their friends, like the ripple effect of yeah. it is is potentially like event changing, really. Yeah. It's 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 quite amazing. And they tweet pictures of, you know, if they if they measure if someone takes some appeal and it's three times the strength that people would be expecting. They tweet pictures of it, don't they, on their Twitter feed and things like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the main thing that we do when we work together in terms of our on-site messaging is um, we'll do that through our channels as well. We'll right. retweet what they're saying. But it's mainly, so yeah, it's when there's a, a harmful substance in circulation they've been, that they found at the festival site. So we've managed to do that a few times, get alerts out on the ground. And as well as social media, we'll actually put physical posters up in campsites and around right. the information hub so that people can be pre-warned basically of like incredibly harmful substances in circulation. I, I know that you guys take it super seriously. I, I've, I've printed out your um, drug policy, policing, dangers and safety uh, information from your website. And it's, uh, when you print it out into Word, it comes to uh, four and a half pages. Uh, and uh, just by comparison, I looked at Glastonbury's um, uh, information as well, and it's and it's half a page, mm. and it's and it's very vague. It's kind of you know I got the impression, and they're not here to speak for themselves, but I got the impression it's a sort of live and let live. You know, we may kick you out if we find you with stuff, but we may not. I, you know, I, it was, but it certainly wasn't as as detailed and explicit as all the. Um, safety information that you primarily put on on yours so I, I'm guessing 
when you started the festival, you didn't anticipate people having been hospitalised, people dying. You wouldn't want to envisage that. Um, so has it been a learning as you go sort of exercise? Absolutely. I mean, that, those four and a half pages have been a, um, a work in progress since 2014 when we first embarked on the Ketamine Awareness one alongside Wendy. And um, I was just quite shocked to see how little information was readily accessible for people to find out about the actual factual dangers of ketamine at that time so I, sorry, I embarked on like a big research campaign and tried to pull in all different bits that I could find that would be actually accessible to people and put them on our website and what you see in front of you there is actually the evolution of it I've actually just about updated it again right. um, uh, and that was just to identifying the, the main causes that we had the main issues that we found on site to, um, to try and provide people with information about that so within those pages there's quite a lot on mixing um, various different drugs with alcohol because a lot of people don't really understand the chemical reaction that can mm. happen from that and how detrimental it can be because obviously alcohol is legal so people think that it's not as dangerous as other drugs can be or not as dangerous when mixing with them. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of information on there and it is, it's very much been an evolution of the campaigns that we've run over the years and the information that we've gathered on on the ground as well, just to try and provide, hopefully, a non-judgmental, completely factual fact sheet of what can go wrong and yeah, prepare people with the information before they even get to site as well. Because I work in local media, you know, in Hampshire where Boomtown is, takes place, I, I would say that a common impression that people have of Boomtown is, oh, it's a bit druggy. So that was a reputation perhaps that the festival had anyway. And now, has that made it in a way easier for you to be really upfront with lots of information because you're not damaging a brand particularly, you're, you're tackling it head on? Because I, I wonder why other festivals don't, you know, don't give out that sort of information uh, and be upfront and honest about it. Because many of them, I think, perhaps just just say no, you know, we don't want it in, but then they don't acknowledge that it might get in anyway, mm. or you know, almost certainly will. I think it's very much down to the individual event and the event organisers. Um, one thing that we, we, we don't really shy away from things all that often, um, and, you know, as you correctly say, that, that there are some quite high-profile conversations about Boomtown and drugs already in existence, and... Through being able to get the loop on board to be able to have these more open and honest conversations, like we really don't want drugs at our festival. We don't want people to come to the festival because they want to take drugs. We want them to come because our lineup's incredible. We provide this amazing world of theatre, set design, production values that are just beyond anything. That that's why we put the event on. But we do acknowledge that people want to take drugs we'll bring them to the event and despite all of our best efforts through our security working with the police everything like that they will still get in and what we want to do and the absolute main priority that we have at every single point of our event is customer safety so to be able to provide people with information education and welfare welfare provisions to then keep them safe on site if once they've gone through all the other processes with the you know, the searches, the, the dogs at the gates, the education, the awareness, if they still decide to find drugs and take them, then we want to make sure that they're doing it with the most amount of information. They know what they're taking. 
they know that they can come and speak to anybody at any point about it in a non-judgmental, safe and secure environment, basically. So that's why we do as much as we do, really. Uh, An ex-drug cop that I met at a a drug symposium told me uh, that he'd been at a high-profile festival where the organisers, he wouldn't tell me which one it was, but um, he said a big festival had... Uh, interviewed a bunch of their punters as they'd, as they'd come in and asked them, uh, are you planning to take illegal drugs in here? And he said 80% said yes. Mm. So, I mean, I don't know, what, you know, obviously we have no way of proving whether that's true or not. Yeah, but I think, anecdotally. Though, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think there's a good, um, I think a lot of the mythology and a lot of the reason why people want to go to festivals is based on sort of Woodstock or early Isle of Wight festival in the late 60s sort of imagery, maybe um, early Glastonbury, where it's, it's hippies tripping in the fields. And, you know, it, drugs are sort of part of that. Even, even the Strongbow advert on the telly is sort of people hanging out in this lovely wooded glade. And, and you think, yeah, and what you would expect as a punter if the air is the, the smell of marijuana drifting across you know that is just sort of part of it isn't it really and i feel like it's a bit unfair for the festival organizers to get bashed over the head when drugs are are found at a festival or or an incident happens with drugs at a festival when we've all bought into the whole myth of it all along that is a big part of festival going i think Uh, yeah I i think that the the association between music festivals even just large gatherings of people yeah. and, and drugs is is the association is 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 there and it's been it's historic it's it's yeah as you say it's kind of almost part of the culture i guess um it is one of those situations where it it seems like it's like the nighttime industries are villainized in those kind of ways. So it happens at festivals and at nightclubs. Yeah. But you wouldn't really, if some, if you know, if a similar incident happens at a hotel, the hotel wouldn't be for bl- to blame. And it's just yeah. like, I, 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 rightly or wrongly, it's it's a hard one to call. But those those are the associations, and I guess it's because it, it's just it's it's music, it's electronic music, it's 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 just the perception that's out there already and it is in existence, isn't it? Rightly or wrongly or Yeah. I mean I, I, I just sort of feel like, you know, if you're um if you're making techno music, if you're a techno DJ that's about to play a set from four AM till six AM, you know, people aren't there purely fueled on strongbow. You know, that that's not why you're but that's not why you're making the music. I think almost like the, the artists the record industry, uh, the, you know, the, the bookers for, for nightclubs and things, that there is a sort of, you know, just an accepted um, understanding that, of course, this is sort of drug fueled. You know, it goes along with it. Lots of the evolution of the music itself was born out of uh, a combination of drugs on a dance floor and, and evolving music going along with it. So, um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think, I'm not pointing the finger at you and saying, have you got all the answers, Anna? Um, <laughs> yeah. But I just, I just find it, uh, I, I, I just think observing it and, and having seen, like I said, some, some tragic incidents at festivals near me, I, I, I feel like it's a bit hard to then blame that festival organiser when um, all of those young people are going there to see music at you know, the small hours of the morning that um, they aren't going there to do it, do it just on a couple of coffees and, and, a, and a few beers, you know. I just mm. think it's it's a bigger thing than just 
uh, the festival organisers. Well, this them. this is kind of be, yeah, it's it's and it's and it's not just young people and it's not just people that do it when they're listening to music or anything like that. There, there is a society wide issue of people's relationship with drugs mm. and whether that's because they're illegal and nobody knows what what's in them or the criminalisation of drug users. That's a huge topic, basically, and I think that it's very easy to blame youth culture, to blame festivals, to blame nightclubs. It's very easy to make them the bad people when we're not the ones bringing these drugs into the country. We're not the ones, you know, forcing people to do anything. It's like we're providing actually a very safe space at Boomtown, we are anyway, but it's just like, I I think that it is a much bigger issue society-wise. It doesn't just happen at nightclubs and just happen at festivals. It happens, you know, on every street. Like the, the the Loop even managed to bring their drugs testing service to the streets of Bristol, which was really pioneering and amazing thing to do. And I think that that is a really progressive and responsible thing for Bristol City Council to do as well, to kind of see that it's not just people that go to festivals that might need this kind of information and education and awareness. It's actually like, you know, people that probably might not even think about going to festivals as well. So it is a, it is a much bigger conversation and much bigger issue than just youth and festival and music yeah. culture, really. I, I went to see The Loop. I spent that, that day that they had oh, in yeah. Bristol yeah. and I went and, and spent some time with them and followed the process through. And I was, um, I was really impressed by how... Uh, how passionate everybody was you know I could tell the chemists were just thrilled to be doing what they were doing you know and uh, their attention to detail uh, you know accuracy and Mm. cross-referencing you know uh, let's go back and test that again Uh, so they were really geeking out on it and and, and loving all of that uh, sort of narco chemistry Uh, I think it was quite fun and but the, the harm reduction people I think I was most struck by a young guy called Josh, who uh, genuinely thought he'd saved lives yeah. in the conversations he'd had, you yeah. know, and he was sort of staggered by uh, how how un- ill-informed people are sometimes when they came to him Absolutely. with bags of enough powders and pills to be able to kill themselves yeah. if you know if they just took it wrongly. And um, um, yeah, and and that's that is the most terrifying thing is the fact that. You know, if people are just relying on their peers to kind of educate them or inform them on how to take drugs responsibly, then that's a lot of pressure on peers and and on people that don't actually aren't armed with all the information that they could be or should be. So I I I I, I agree with Josh. I think he is saving lives, and I think that that harm reduction intervention and the education and the the, the support that people get from visiting a service like the, the one that The Loop provides is is unquestionably incredibly powerful and very useful, I'd say. One thing, you know, I want these um, podcasts to be hopefully practically useful to mm. um, anyone listening to them who, uh, you know, maybe they're, they're a parent, that's kind of the position I'm in, parent of children approaching teenage years, right, and, yeah, and, yeah. and how might I talk them in a much mm. more honest and open way perhaps yeah. than uh, my parents would have done with me. Uh, as they're going to navigate their way through wanting to go to festivals or go to Ibiza with their mates and that sort of thing. Um, And one thing that struck me having spent some time uh, with The Loop uh, is that, you know, if as a parent you've got a kid saying, can I have some money for a festival? That to pick, you know, if you as a parent were to do a bit of research and look for festivals like Boomtown that have 
someone like the loop on site and say to your child yeah i'll i'll pay for your ticket to go to one of the festivals where they're at then i think you might be saving a life as well potentially because mm. um i just think the risk of being at a big festival under all that peer pressure without any information mm. you know that that slightly scares me as a parent yeah it feels like you're sending them out without any safety net doesn't it yeah but it is an interesting one because we um received an email last year from a mother of an 18 year old and she was planning on coming with her friends as well and they're all 18 and she'd read what you've got printed out in front of you there yeah. on the drugs page and she said that um, she felt that um, our drugs messaging uh, had a um, presumed a certain level of maturity that most 18 year olds don't have and I was initially really shocked by that because mm. I was just like but they're adults they're 18 like they they, they can surely understand that on one hand we're saying drugs are illegal and they are illegal in Boomtown you like don't bring them in but then the, the acceptance that we've tried that for years and we can't stop every single person bringing their drugs in so what we want to do is provide a welfare provision on site so it's about trying to balance that messaging out so people understand it which is quite tricky in the current laws of the country yeah. so on one hand you're saying don't like you'll get arrested <laughs> don't do this on the other hand you're saying it's kind of okay we'll test it for you because we're not saying it's okay we're saying they're so dangerous that we need to actually provide you with a, a way to understand better what you're doing and it's 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 that kind of paradox in a way that is confusing in the messaging and we appreciate that and we're trying to figure out ways that we can make it clearer for younger people to really understand what we mean by what by our drugs policy basically yeah. but i think that overall going back to your point it's like i would hope that parents would feel a lot more comfortable sending their children to an event that really understood the welfare issues surrounding drug taking at events and that we are so well resourced for that so not only do we have the welfare side of things we also have mental health roaming teams as well that can go around and help people if they're in distress as well as on top of the the loop side of things so there's a, there's a huge amount that we put into safeguarding people on 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 the ground basically yeah so we would hope as a parent that would fill you with a bit of... <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe what you're doing, if it, if it feels like, um, and, and because not many festivals seem to be doing it, it's a bit pioneering at the moment. Mm. People are getting used to the idea of, like you say, that sort of uh, still got the laws of the land that say it's illegal, so don't bring it in. But if you do, we'll at least keep you safe. Yeah. Uh, trying to hold those two things at the same time is a bit tricky. But as with increments, as uh, things maybe change in, in the way we think about drugs and look at drug policy, maybe that all starts to become a bit easier to sit with people. Hopefully. I think even in the two years that we've seen since we first implemented it, it, it those conversations are getting easier because people, and now especially after what happened at Mutiny last year, it's like people are like, well, why weren't they there? But it's not it's not quite as simple as that because no. there's, there's a lot of factors that go into being able to have it like a, a day event like mutiny it would be quite difficult to actually implement it so there's, there's a lot of different reasons why it works for some events and why it doesn't for other events but i think that just even the conversations where about people in general public that may never have even encountered any drug users seeing that actually testing is a really positive progressive way is is brilliant because that's very different from where we were two years ago even now yeah 
Um, well, it's a busy week here at Boomtown yeah. HQ, so I should let you go and have a <laughs> no, right, meeting you. to plan this year's event. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your time, Anna. No worries. Hello. Hey. We're going to talk about festivals. Yeah. Today, the end of episode six. Uh, so I thought we'd just start by, I'll show you something. Uh, right. Can you read your wristband there in that picture that I'm showing you on the laptop? It says festival, I think. It says bestival. Bestival. And can you read the date on it? 2006. Yes, so you were uh, 14 months old in that picture. Um, oh. We are on the um, Isle of Wight ferry on our way back from the festival, I think, or maybe we're on our way there. Uh, festival 2006, and this is quite funny. There's a, a little handful of pictures. It's uh, a festival or camp festival? Uh, no. Is camp festival not existing yet? I think in 2006, camp festival didn't exist. I th that was the sort of spin off. But Festival mustn't have been around for very long, even at that point. Probably that's probably like the second or third year of it. So yeah, there we are on the Isle of Wight ferry, and um, no drugs in sight. We're drinking cups of tea. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit at festival. Uh, crazy people, uh, and this was in the woods. It used to be in Robin Hill Country Park on the Isle of Wight for most of its time. It's now on the mainland where we went. Lulworth, but um, yeah. it was in this really lovely country park. So, yeah, most of the time we spent um, mucking about in this playground area. But yeah, your first festival was um, back then, 2006. There you are, look, <laughs> in the festival site. So, obviously, you wouldn't remember that, but you have been to festivals since then. Um, yeah. Do you enjoy them? Yeah. I think it takes a little bit of a while to get into like the mood of it, but when you're in, it's kind of quite nice. Yes. Which ones do you remember enjoying? Victorious, a couple of times. Yeah. Only in the later ones, though. Um, Camp Festival's okay, but it wasn't amazing. It was like, a really muddy one. Yeah, it was really. The music wasn't even up to it that year. Well, we um, made a bit of a family boo-boo and didn't didn't take a very good tent and the weather was horrible. Yeah. So, yeah, that didn't end... That wasn't a great experience, was it? A quick camp festival reality check. It was awful. It was muddy and raining the whole time and I was sulking, which ruined the day for everyone. However, watching Left Field with lots of ageing raver families and their glow stick decorated children once the rain had stopped lifted our spirits so it wasn't all bad the music wise though you i seem to remember um 
I remember you loving. So last year you had the, uh, you saw the prodigy. Yeah, with mum. And rather, yeah, rather tragically now, we'll never see them in that lineup again because Keith Flint, Flint's since died. Killed himself, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, lead singer. So, um, yeah, one for your gig diary list is that you saw the prodigy when they were still all together. Yeah. <laughs> that was another soaking wet and windy festival day. My wife and I had fallen out that afternoon too, and I passive aggressively stayed at home with our daughters. Credence and his mum went raving to Prodigy and Years and Years. The Loop drug testing people hmm. did some uh, research when they, uh, at the festivals that they're at and um, they find that the drugs that they test, the ones that are bought inside the festival, because they ask various questions when the, when the people come in and they sort yeah. of bring in whatever pill or powder it is, and they say, did you buy this before you came into the festival and bring it in? Or did you buy it while you're in here? And they find that the ones that were bought after they'd got in are, are much more likely to be not what they say they are. Yeah, because those people are drunk and don't really like, well, they care less, they're a bit away from it all, so they don't need to like check or something. Like that. Um, I think it's more that the drug dealers know that they can bring any old thing into a festival and there'll be someone that will buy it. You know, I, I said in a bit of that, you don't have to be in the dance tent long before someone will be walking past you offering you drugs. There's nearly always people walking around a festival. Someone will wander through the crowd and offering things and people buy off them in the crowd, but you have no idea what it is. And so most of the time it's probably caffeine tablets or something bought in bulk from the supermarket hmm. because no yeah. one no one can check. And I think that's what, the loop drug testing people found. Uh, sometimes it might be dangerously not what it says it is. It might be adulterated with other other psychoactive drugs, which are bad for you. But I think a lot of the time it's just not going to work. You know, it's just a dud. Uh, so I suppose a bit of festival wisdom would be if you are thinking, I want to go to a festival and experiment with drugs, is buy it before you go there. Cause... Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's not just being positive about drugs saying oh you should take them that is a safety message as well because you're not going to waste money and you're you're more likely to know what the actual product is and if you remember back in that episode two that one of the questions that the guy asked asked me at the loop was do you ever measure out your doses and again you can't do that sort of thing if you're at a festival you know in a tent or in a dirty field or whatever so i think Again, the harm reduction message would be if you are thinking of taking some drugs, would be pre-measure the doses. Yeah, do that at home beforehand. Yeah. Have you ever heard of nitrous oxide? Um, is that laughing gas? Yeah, it is. Nicknamed hippie crack, or NOS, I guess NOS NOS. Yeah. Mm. Since 2016, it's illegal to supply or import it for human consumption. It just kind of gives you a mild head spinny feeling for a few seconds, maybe a minute or two. And um, the guys in the crowd at, at festivals will sell it. You know, you know when you get those canisters that like squirt whipped cream, hmm. uh, they'll have something like that where it's just squirting out the gas hmm. and they just put a, a balloon on the end of it. And 
and fill the balloon with it and give it to you take a fiver off you or something outrageous and then you and your mates just suck a bit of it in like you would inhale helium from a balloon at a party to make you talk funny and that's that's quite a common festival site i've seen you know i've seen lots of that going on at festivals i saw recently. that at camp festival did it? Doing. yeah, yeah. that's not dangerous though is it nitrous oxide I don't, I don't well I mean it, obviously it's used by dentists as a sedative and yeah. an anesthetic so uh, inhaling it is what you do then it says don't take too big a breath and make sure you're in a well ventilated area <laughs> and it, and I guess it makes you a bit dizzy and woozy so that's not going to be too harmful if you're in a big festival field because yeah worst going to happen you're just going to fall over <laughs> but but don't do it if you're high up or in a dangerous place because uh, you could get injured that way. But yeah, that, that's just a kind of mild festival thing. A couple of things that I thought about uh, festival-wise. One is uh, looking after your mates. I think a lot of people go into in big groups to festivals. Hmm. Yeah. And if you're driving somewhere, then someone becomes the designated driver and they don't drink and they get everyone home safe. And I think in a festival, you cannot take the drugs that everyone else is taking if you want to, you know, that's yeah. just a positive decision you could choose to make. Like, I don't want to, thanks. But then I think it's really good, A, not to miss out on the fun of the festival by going to bed early or something, but B, to stay with your friends to keep them safe as well. Because I heard you know a few sad stories of people either dying having tra really tragic consequences or just having bad experiences at festivals because they just their friends left them or they got lost got separated and then they couldn't find anyone and then you end up in the sort of medical tent hopefully that someone's looking after you but or worse you just end up sort of wandering around in the dark in the cold yeah feeling awful on your own so i think it's especially now everyone's got whatsapp groups and thing ways of keeping in touch just yeah Look after your mates and make sure someone's looking after you. I think is a really good thing to remember. And the other thing, harm reduction-y drug type people talk about a lot is um, set and setting. The set is your mindset. How you're feeling will affect how, how much you enjoy whatever thing you have. So... If you're really up for it and you have a pint, you go, oh, this is brilliant. I, um, I want another pint now. I want to, I'm having a great time. Whereas if you're like, mm, I'm tired, you might have one pint and go, oh, I don't want any more. Mm. Yeah. And the same with any other drug. Then I guess at a festival, everyone's pretty excited and positive. Can't wait to see the band that they've come to see. But then the setting is another key thing, which is obviously the location and where you are. Yeah. So if you have a drug that say, um, psychedelic -y type one mm. then you don't want to be in the dark stand well yeah I think that's probably true yeah those sort of drugs are probably best consumed A without other drugs in your system so you know with a cup of herbal tea take your psychedelic and have a experience in a beautiful part of nature and that might be um, a quiet campsite or something, but probably not, like you say, the middle of the rave tent or mm. or just anywhere really busy and chaotic with flashing lights and loads of people. 
because you're just more likely to freak out. Yeah. Sort of all makes sense, really, I think, doesn't it? I mean, fe festivals are supposed to be fun, so I don't want to make them sound... Boring. Um, no. Or scary. No. Uh, I think festivals are probably best enjoyed when you're with a, a good gang of people and you just roam around and have fun because it is just like a giant playground for young adults, really. Yeah. The weekend has landed. All that exists now is clubs, drugs, pubs and pies. With festivals, some people, I think, want to get wasted. And then other people are like, well, why would you want to do that? Because then if you start drinking at like 11 o'clock in the morning in the campsite, you're not going to enjoy much of the festival for the for the rest of the day. Yeah. There's loads of cool stuff in a festival, and often you've spent 200 quid on a ticket to get into a big festival. And if you're just with your mates, then starting drinking or certainly taking drugs early in the day or early in the in the time you're there would just mean that you won't really enjoy any of it yeah and one final thing uh, from the book that we sometimes look at david nutt's book on drugs if you do get into trouble with drugs get help quickly there's been a few horror stories recently of tragedies happening where it might have gone differently if people had got help you'll never get arrested for going to get a paramedic or going to get help even if you've taken an illegal drug you know you're it's far better to get help and risk a bit of a telling off from someone than it is to yeah even if they're just having a bit of a panic and you go to a medical tent and someone just calms them down for a while and they sit and everyone feels a bit better and then you go back to party and it's better to do it that way around yeah i feel like i've talked a lot <laughs> what did you think of the boomtown uh the Boomtown chat and the stuff that you heard in the episode. Yeah, I feel like obviously they've had a lot that's happened to them compared to like quite a lot of other festivals. But I think it's quite good the way they deal with it, instead of being completely anti-drugs and like doing big searches at the beginning and that. Yeah. They've like kept that the same and more like focused on like when they're inside because they're always going to go in, as she said. Just like to focus on prevention. Yeah. Do you think it's like the better approach to things that like they're saying on the other episodes? Where they had that like board in front of the loop place where there were like the different crossroads. It was like like different drugs, and then there's like alcohol, like ketamine, and it would, like crossover, and it'd be like that's bad. Yes, yeah. Well, that was quite good. Yeah, just those sort of things around the place so that you can you can walk past as a punter and look at something like that, and just without even having to ask for anyone's advice, without having to admit to anyone that you're thinking of taking anything illegal. You can just see that sort of information. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, does festival life appeal to you? Do, or do you kind of think... Oh, it's I don't think... Nice. I don't know. I think it could be quite fun if you have friends there. But I don't know. I'll show you a picture that might horrify you. Not on the computer, because it dates back to pre-computerised pictures. Uh, I said in the thing about the pink plastic trousers, that's me and Rob. I think it's a gate crusher. So that was a dance festival in the year 2000. <laughs> and for some inexplicable reason, I chose to wear, I chose to buy originally uh, to start with. Why I even had them, I don't know. But then I bought more pink plastic trousers. To yeah. the and then six years later, I was taking you to festival. So how quickly things turn around. Yeah. 
next week we're going to talk to another musician like in episode one I met Jim Cregan this is a guy called Felix who started out in music and ended up falling in with a strange crowd and became a heroin addict wow. but then he kicked his habit and is still in a band and still making music what band? Curse of Lono oh cool they're playing a festival near us this summer I saw them on the bill and thought oh I'd like to go to that the Llama Tree Festival they're also on a UK tour and I just got their new album as well so um, he's cool he's really interesting really interesting yeah, guy yeah I'm looking forward to that yeah I think you'll enjoy listening to that because I feel like ones like next week might be like better for like this kind of chat because it's like ones like this they're quite factual and they're kind of like almost like everything's been said yeah whereas I think one like that could be like it's, I don't know less of an interview more of a conversation almost yeah so there's more to like it's not like you go through a list of things to ask to ask it kind of just goes through the flow of the conversation yeah and that means there's more for me to like talk about I think yes yes he's just an interesting character with an interesting life story yeah and also I think at the moment I, I think it's really interesting to talk to you at your age because I think the whole point of, of really talking specifically about drugs and the names of drugs and what effects the drugs have and things like that and talking honestly about it it feels like this is so that you at a young age are getting some real factual information before you get to somewhere like a festival and yeah, and, you don't know and are there without without knowing anything yeah but at the moment you are only 13 and so you're only going to festivals with your parents and you're not taking any drugs and you, you know you're not in that so you're yeah you're a few years away from even being in that environment aren't you definitely so you've kind of got less things to ask i suppose but i think it's valuable to start talking about it now and definitely i just think it's interesting as well sometimes isn't it it's just interesting to observe it and means you know when we're at festivals it gives you a bit more of a window into what's going on and what have you Cool. Well, thanks for chatting again. Yeah, it's been good. the over six episodes done change your bowler now we continue the series from the pavilion end next thursday thank you to anna at boomtown for her time in a very busy week for them as they launch their 2019 lineup which looks great incidentally i actually said in reality to my wife yesterday what a great program of talks and spoken word they have she said hmm you've changed uh, keep in touch on twitter email or facebook share links to the podcast if you're enjoying it please tell your friends talk to your kids and keep safe music on this week's episode came from the chemical brothers free yourself and mah from the new lp no geography which i've listened to a couple of times and is great faithless lauren hill prophets of rage the streets groove armada pulp prodigy years and years minky and some classic chemical brothers The Private Psychedelic Reel and Where Do I Begin from Dig Your Own Hole from 1997. It's still and I think always will be 1997 in my head.